This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's no secret Ron and I look for every opportunity to level up. One of our favorite ways to level up is audible.com. You can listen to audiobooks, comedy, wellness programs, and tons of other content. To grab your free Audible trial and your free audiobook, visit the link down in the description or in the show notes. In this episode, the good folks of Security Week CISO Forum allowed us to share our audio from the opening of this year's conference. We interviewed the great Frederick Lee, also known as Flea, and we talk about his background. And we also talk about what it means to be a part of this wonderful tribe we call cybersecurity. And with that, let's get right to this episode. Hey, welcome everybody to the 2020 Security Week CISO Forum. My name is Mike Lennon on behalf of Security Week. I'm very happy to be here today. Sadly, we're not out together at the Ritz-Carlton Half Moon Bay, but we're going to have some good conversations either way. Um, really excited about this first uh, session. It's, it's actually live or a, a special recording podcast for the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. If people haven't listened to it, look it up. It, it's really good. Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, some really good stuff. I, I'm quite impressed uh, with the quality of not just the conversations, but also the, the produ production work that you guys do. So really happy to have um, our two hosts, uh, Ron uh, Eddings and Chris Cochran. And they're going to be joined by a special guest, Lee, Frederick Lee of Gusto. He's Chief Security Officer. And uh, gentlemen, I'll let you go ahead and, and get started. And I'm looking forward to this uh, live podcast conversation. Outstanding. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back. And welcome, everyone, for Security Week CISO Forum. It's a true pleasure to be here and also a true pleasure to be speaking with a friend, Frederick Lee, also known as Flea. He is the Chief Security Officer at Gusto. Uh, Frederick, welcome to our live recorded show. Thank you so much for having me. And please, by all means, call me Flea. When you call me Frederick, <laughs> all I can do is I can imagine my mama yelling at me or I'm in trouble somehow. Uh, so I might get in trouble on the podcast, but at least I don't want my mama to know about it. So please call me Flea. <laughs> it Outstanding, Definitely Flea. Will. <laughs> Outstanding. I feel like known you for so long, even though we really just met a couple weeks ago. But for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, would love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I can start about what, what I'm actually doing today. As you said in the intro, my government name is Frederick Lee. Most people call me Flea. I'm the chief security officer of Gusto, which is a SaaS people platform. And we actually focus on helping small and medium-sized businesses deliver all the services that are necessary, services and support necessary to make sure they have an enjoyable fulfilling work environment for themselves and for their employees. And we actually go from things such as providing payroll, benefits, 401k, 529, all the way actually providing flexible pay for employees because we really believe that part of our purpose 
is to help improve the world and provide financial prosperity to people. And by allowing people to have more control over their financial destiny, that's one avenue of us actually trying to contribute towards things and making things a better place. Prior to Gusto, I was the head of security at another fintech company called Square. Before Square, did a couple of other startups like NetSuite, Twilio, kind of yada. It's just I've just done kind of the Silicon Valley thing for, for quite a bit. I haven't always been a security person, probably like, like some of you, and I definitely have not always been a CISO. And I think many others, it's one of those roles where we it's different than what we actually imagine it's going to be. And sometimes our path towards getting there is definitely different. So like my path into getting to security was um, actually a lot of inspiration of things that actually I saw when I was really young. So I grew up in the rural South. I grew up in Mississippi. And to, to be transparent, at least for those people that are either watching this or listening to this, uh, you know, it's no secret I'm actually I'm black, so it's not a special effect or anything like that. So at least for me growing up, there weren't a lot of like black role models that I'd actually had seen using computers or things like that on television or in magazines, et cetera. And then one day I saw this magazine and I was actually I was reading about this gentleman named Corrupt, or at least his handle was Corrupt. His name is actually John Lee. And he was actually part of those instrumental foundational quote unquote hacker wars that are actually going on in New York, et cetera. And I saw this guy and all the things that he was doing. And I was just inspired. I was like, wow, this, he was able to actually accomplish these things. And definitely, you know, New York has a lot more resources than people in Mississippi, but it inspired me to actually pursue that same path, this path of intellectual curiosity, figuring things out, tinkering with things and actually pushing and moving forward. And that's really what sparked my interest into computer security and trying to actually maybe, you know, live up to some of the things that he had done and learning, you know, his techniques, et cetera. And I, I ultimately actually started parlaying that into a quote unquote real job. So. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit about, about flea. So. Yeah, that's incredible. What's interesting is that I've probably met, I'm not even exaggerating. I've probably met 20 or so people over the last two years and they've connected uh, us to you in some way or another. How exactly does that happen? Is it is there a, a group that you belong to in which you interact with everybody? Is it by your nature that you're just a friendly guy? Everyone knows who you are. What, what exactly is going on there? So I, I would definitely say I, I try to be a friendly person, especially for people that are interested in getting to security. Like I solidly believe that regardless of what company you work at, there's only one security team. Right. Mm -hmm. We are all one tribe. And, and obviously, y'all have had Marcus on there. I love the fact that Marcus Carey has his book, The Tribe of Hackers, because it yep. really is we're one group. We're one right. people. We're one collective unit uh, pursuing towards things. And going back towards, you know, kind of like that, my inspiration with Corrupt and, and AKA John Lee, or actually, I guess it's John Lee, AKA Corrupt, but that whole hacker ethos of information wanting to be free and we share it, we make each other better, we learn from each other, iron sharpens iron. But there are groups that I also belong to. So obviously, so for example, I belong to a group called Dev Color, which is a organization for black software engineers. That's a great way for me to actually connect, meet people such as yourself and Ron. We're trying to definitely make sure y'all become some good chapter yep. members and maybe start a chapter in Dallas. Right. Um, but that's actually one avenue. There's other groups like we, obviously, I think all of you are aware of like security tinkerers and those kind of mm -hmm. avenues where we as security practitioners get together to network, share ideas, make each other better. And yes. those are actually just some of the avenues. But I think also just being in Silicon Valley, people forget Silicon Valley is actually really small. And we, right. you know, we all move around with various different companies. We learn from each other. Like I learned a lot from things actually going on at Netflix. I learned a lot about things that the work that was going on with Demisto, Palo Alto, et cetera. 
because no one single security practitioner is ever going to have all the answers. So it's important for all of us to share ideas, share intel, all the things that, that make us better because we really are just one team. I love that. And you said some things that really struck a chord with me, especially growing up in the South and not really having the opportunity to see other members that look like you, Black people. And I think the same has been for Chris and I. It's hard for when we were first getting started in our career, it was hard for us to identify with others and really have role models that were in our community. So now that you're in the position that you're in and you're chief security officer, you've done amazing things, your resume speaks for itself. How are you distilling that information back to the community? How are you interacting with the youth or even people that are interested in, in into getting into security? Yeah, obviously, I try to volunteer as, as much as possible because I, I do feel like I have a responsibility to pay John Lee back for what he did to me or did for me with that inspiration. Right. And it is important for us to be, you know, individuals such as yourself, like both of you are definitely highly regarded leaders in the industry. And it's important for all of us to be present, vocal and out there. And, and, and not just because you are a black software engineer and black cybersecurity professional, but it's because you're a cybersecurity professional that happens to be black. Right. And, and that's the first thing about you is that you are excellent at your craft, but by allowing other young men and young women to see somebody that looks like them, maybe has a similar background as them, if you can see it, you can be it. And right. by being out there prominent, that actually helps that. And so part of even me just doing podcasts or interviews is part of me giving back to the community, not just the security community, but other underrepresented minorities to let them know that you don't have to look various different stereotypes of what people think, quote unquote, hackers look like to be successful in this industry. There are other organizations that I collaborate with, like Code 2040 is one of my favorite with regards to actually helping young up and coming people getting to security. There are other things that we can do, especially as security leaders that help with regards to like how we think about hiring and where do we go, like participating in hiring from programs such as Europe. Europe is a organization that actually helps take people from non-traditional backgrounds and get into security. There are several organizations that help military veterans make that transition from the high level military defense cybersecurity kind of into our baby security world here in the civilian slash commercial population um, and making those transitions. So it's also about us being open with regards to being present for people that actually see us, but also open with regards to hiring. And then finally, open with our time when people reach out for mentorship, sharing ideas, chatting, et cetera, trying to figure out how to get into security. And one of the more powerful things that we can do is also dispel some of the myths about what it means to get into security and what it takes to get into security. Yep, that's Great. outstanding. One thing that we think about all the time, and you touched on it yourself, is representation and representation across all populations. And when you think of representation, it's easy to look at folks like us. We're not camera shy. We'll get up on stage. We'll, we'll talk. But there are people that might not necessarily want to be as public. But I think there's so many different ways that they can put their names out there, whether it's through writing, like writing is such an important thing that I think people often forget about. But what are some of the other ways that people can participate in this grand scheme of representation uh, in cybersecurity? Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I love the writing part. 
you think about uh, Nick Call, for example. He's the VP of engineering at Twitter, uh, also Def Color member. <laughs> but, <laughs> Shout like, out. He does a lot of his outreach and representation and, and kind of like changing the narrative via writing. And he's a powerful writer. And that's actually one of the ways that he's been really influential with that. There's actually tons of other things because it's not just about us speaking about diversity. It's also us showing up or participating in the community in the technical aspects. And we have a lot of great underrepresented minorities or actually just people in general that are contributing via open source. Like you think about, and I don't want to talk too much about Demisto, but you actually think about some of the stuff that actually was going on with those various different platforms and people working on open source runbooks that other people could actually download. And these are right. all avenues that anybody from any background can participate in. And not only are they making security better, but they're also improving their own job skills and making their like resumes even more present and easier for other people to actually recognize the excellent talent that's actually out there. Yep. Absolutely. And you keep mentioning Demisto, so we might as well take it there oh, in some regard. <laughs> we might as well take it there I, I, I in some regard. One of the things I listened to a few podcasts that you were on, and I think that you have a natural uh, skill at articulating the importance of cybersecurity, like articulating how cybersecurity affects the business. So looking at participating and showing up and doing what you do day in and day out, how do you identify what the business needs are and how do you apply security to business needs? How do you dissect that and, and apply security into the business needs? Yeah, so it's one of the hardest skills to learn, especially for us as engineers, which is listening. The listening aspect, but listening and truly hearing, because part of our job as security practitioners is to be really great listeners and great translators. So you can actually go to a team and the classic things that I'll show up at a company and I'll just ask them like, Hey, what are you worried about? What do you think your biggest risks are? Nobody is going to be perfect. Right. And they're not going to actually list all the various things that we can do as cybersecurity practitioners and go through a full threat model, but they actually probably have a pretty good intuition and, and some really good foundational knowledge about what their business is, what they really care about and what do they view as potential you know, risk to that business. And they're definitely gonna talk some stuff about security, but they're also gonna to talk to you about business risk. And when you can really understand what are the things that are really important to them, you can start navigating them down this road towards effectively pragmatic security and pragmatic risk uh, management. And that's actually one of the more important things that, that we do. And it sounds really odd because a lot of people wanna show up in that first day as a security practitioner at a company and just do a classic threat assessment and they're going to actually go through and they're going to do an inventory, they're going to do the classic read con, et cetera. And I still have that reflex myself. Like even when I'm interviewing or talking to a company, I actually go out and just do some, some, some OSN on them, like even before I even yeah. show up. But that's actually not necessarily the most valuable thing to them. And it's not the most valuable way to teach a non-security practitioner the value of security. When you can actually explain to them that really our job as security practitioners is making risk visible and then helping people make good risk decisions that they are comfortable with, then the light bulbs start going off and they start seeing you as a partner that wants to help them accelerate the business as opposed to just a bunch of you know grumpy people they hired just to say no. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and after years of doing this, I used to be one of the, one of the no kids because no is also one of the easiest things that we can do. The real work comes into finding yes. 
somebody comes to you with a crazy idea and then you say, oh, yep, that does. That sounds really risky. Hey, let's figure out a way. Let's figure out a way to make this thing that was risky something that's not risky. And that's how we have the internet that we're on today. If you'd have gone back, I'll date myself, I guess. You go back like 20 years, actually more than 20 years, like I remember when I was first online, this is literally back in the days of Mosaic, right? Mosaic was the first browser back then. Mm. Who would have thought about putting their credit cards on the internet? That's crazy. But there Nobody. was some security. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody. But there was some security engineer out there that said, hey, you know what? I believe in math. I heard about this stuff called cryptography. I'm actually going to design some ways for us to actually make this secure enough to use on the internet and figure out some other risk mitigations when things like fraud, et cetera, pop up. So I know that that was pretty long-winded, but I think it's actually a really complex and interesting subject because security still is one of those things that appears nebulous, and especially so at maybe some of the higher levels. But while we think it appears nebulous, there's actually a lot more things in common. Executive staff, boards, your engineering leaders, they actually understand risk. They think about risk all the time. When you dissect really what a company is, especially a modern company is just a decision-making machine. And yeah, right. you're always making some kind of decision about what the next step is and what to do. Execution is important, but that actually is probably one of the easier aspects of running a company is starting the execution. It's deciding on what to execute upon. And so people are constantly balancing pros and cons, and they constantly are thinking about risk. They just may not always be thinking about the same risk we are. And so we have to figure out how to communicate in that language to them so that the security risk, the privacy risk, or just yet another decision that they can make and run through that decision-making machine that they've already built. Yep. I think you nailed it right on its head. One thing that I like to convey to people when they, they're making that pers perspective switch from the department of no that is security to something that's a little bit more focused on innovation and risk is uh, I speaking of Netflix, one of my favorite uh, shows that I watch, I was never into Formula One before, Formula One racing, but they have this drive to survive, this the seasons that come out and it focuses on the drama of the drivers and it shows the, the innovation of the cars, the engineering and all that stuff. But they really focus also on the people that are in the pit. The people that are in the pit, they're looking at all these gauges and they're looking at all the health of the car. And what they're doing is they're seeing is the engine running hot. Is are the tires getting bald? They're 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 calculating and informing the driver how hard he or she can push the car to take the next position or to even go up in front and potentially win the race. And so that's how I like to think of cybersecurity is we are looking at these gauges and we are telling the business just how hard and how fast they can push while being safe. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. I love that analogy. <laughs> I love that analogy. No, and, and it goes so far. And, and part of the reason why I love it is that it also recognizes the importance of that entire team working together. Mm. So the F1 driver cannot win that race alone. Like right. he or she did not build that car. They're driving the car. He or she is not maintaining the car. Somebody else is actually doing that. They didn't design it, but their goal, the thing that they're uniquely talented at is driving, seeing what's on the road and right in front of them and making those split-second decisions that's ultimately going to allow them to actually win the race. But we're all together as a team wanting to win that race, and that's actually one of the more interesting and important things about it. And without the security team, without your infrastructure team, without the DevOps team, you can't win the race. The driver alone can't win it. But right. without the driver, security can't win the race. And then I think one of the things that we, um, as, as an industry, occasionally forget about is that driver is very important to us winning the race. 
Yes. And so we need right. to make sure that we're giving them that the right amount of information so they can make those decisions, but that we're also going with your analogy are trusting the driver. Mm. That now that we've given mm -hmm. this driver the information, he or she is going to take that information and she's going to say, hey, you know what? I can probably take this corner a little hot because my engine is running like this. I know the stickiness of my tires. I have a feel for the traction on the, the actual track and I'm going to be successful and I'm going to get this corner before somebody else. I'm going to get the perfect line. And maybe that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help our drivers have a good solid F1 car and that every single corner they can hit the perfect line going in and out of that corner, man. Yes. I, I would love to hear what is a good Formula One car look like in security? So you've been, you have so much experience. You've been at Bank of America, you've been at Square, you've been at, now you're at uh, Gusto. What is a good Formula One car look like for security? What is your ideal situation for a security team and also the solutions that you use? Yeah, so you're, you're, you're going to hate this answer. You're going to hate this answer because I, I just came to this realization myself. There isn't a perfect Formula One car and there isn't a perfect race pit crew. It's yeah. going to vary at every single company. Like I love Netflix. I love the stuff that actually Jason Chan built there and how great y'all are at executing. Like obviously I'm, I'm you know, a huge fan of Palo Alto Networks, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> but like what was successful at Netflix may not have worked at Square. And, and there's definitely some similarities. So you'll see similarities between security teams but the things that I did at Bank of America would never work at Gusto. And the things I do at Gusto would probably never work at Bank of America. Those are actually completely different uh, things. I, I had this analogy, like I gave a, a DEF CON talk recently, because the light bulb moment for me was reading up on Bruce Lee and his, his progress of being a traditional Kung Fu practitioner to him inventing Jeet Kune Do, which is yep. really about getting rid of dogma getting rid out of, out of this idea that there is an ideal martial arts style. And I would say we should get rid of this notion that there is an ideal security team construction. There are practices, though, that we should see more of in security organizations, because really what you want your organization to do is to have secure outcomes. And, and this is I'm going to I'm going to keep rolling with with this like race car do analogy, it. because no, no, because. We say F1, but F1 is a different style of racing than NASCAR. It's a different yeah. style of racing than rally car driving. And the, but those are all racing cars, right? It's all cars. They're all racing. They all want to win. But what you want as a rally car driver is different than what you want in NASCAR, which is different than what you want in F1. And your pit crews are actually going to look different. Right. Mm -hmm. So like in rally racing, you actually have a navigator with you. You're going through roads that are bumpy. You're actually just learning the road as you're driving through, et cetera. So that person sitting next to you is actually doing a lot of the same things that the pit crew in F1 will be doing. So your navigator is actually telling you things about the engine as well, telling you things about the terrain coming up. And, and so where I'm going with this analogy is that it's really about the functions that a traditional security team provides that's what companies should be indexing on and not necessarily how the security team is constructed. Because sometimes you want a security team that's just software engineers, right? Yeah. Um, but True. why would I have a security team of software engineers if I'm running an architectural firm? That doesn't make any sense. 
if I just have an architectural firm, I'm not actually writing software. Why would I have software engineers as my security team? Um, so it needs to be right size to whatever your company is actually dealing with. But you do want to focus on certain activities and this ultimate drive towards having a secure outcome. And so some of those activities are things, yeah, we think about threat modeling. We think about measuring and managing our risk. We think about making those things transparent and accessible to all the stakeholders. And those are probably some of the more important things, not necessarily what the, the team is constructed of. You, you, you just caught me at a good time because I'm really thinking through my life choices and decisions um, yeah. with regard to how security teams are constructed or maybe how they should be deconstructed. I love the fact that you brought up Bruce Lee and the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. One thing that's interesting, you definitely have to throw away the unessentials, right? That's part of yeah. the philosophy. And the other thing that's brilliant about Bruce Lee is that the things that he taught from a martial arts perspective also applies to philosophy. So yeah. when he teaches, the, in the very beginning of the book, he teaches someone how to punch. And when he's telling you to punch, your aim is not the target. Your aim is two to four inches behind the target. So you want to punch through the target because that's where your power comes from. That's where the focus and the intent comes from. And who knows if you're actually going to make it there. So when you look at different security teams, I think a lot of people are treading water. A lot of people are just reactive. They're just getting bogged down by alerts and things like that. What are some ways that security programs can punch through the target and actually get to a part to where they're thriving? Yeah, and I love this analogy. You're just speaking my language, man. <laughs> you know, because you know, I love like the punching through the target, the repetitive practice, because you want yes. like the correct action to be the automatic action things that happen by default. Yes. And so, let's actually speaking of the automatic actions that happen by default. One of the things a lot of security teams need to spend more time on is thinking about automation and thinking about automation early. We will in the security industry, your security team will never be as big as you want it to be you will always have more work to do than you have people or time. Mm -hmm. Automation is one of the great equalizers. So that's actually one way that we need to actually have security teams more thinking about punching past the target. We also need security teams to maybe get past some of the nihilism and recognize that, yeah, we are going to be improving things and to not give up. But that also means thinking about building forward in the future, about where the company is ultimately trying to go. And if you make some good early investments, that a lot of good security happens by default. So we'll, we'll use the example of, of uh, your previous employer like Netflix. Netflix has done a lot of great work early on building a good infrastructure that allowed them to scale and then solve some security problems that weren't even present at the time that they were thinking about it. But they built some good fundamentals around crypto, some good fundamentals around testing of their infrastructure, really good fundamentals around orchestration to actually you know, deploy things, orchestration around patching and philosophies around that. And those are good fundamental things for people to think about. So as you can say, they can actually punch two to four inches past the target. Love that. And you know what? Something that's coming to my mind is fundamentals like you just brought up. And I think genius always leaves clues. We were talking about Marcus Carey a little bit earlier and how he wrote the book, Tribe of Packers. And a lot of those questions are centered around fundamentals. What is your thoughts on this aspect of security? What is the most essential security product and things like that? But I would love to hear how you tackle the fundamentals. What are some things that are fundamental to you when looking at security and what are some things that you practice repetitively to make sure that you always stay sharp? Yeah, so for me personally, one of my, my big growth areas and something actually I'm continuing to work on 
communication is just fundamental to security. And I know it sounds like I'm beating this over and over again. There's so many talented security practitioners out there. But, and you think about like some of, like some of our best reverse engineers, like you have a young lady who can just tear apart anything Yankee toss out there. Mm-hmm. But if she can't communicate to other people, nobody cares what she found. And ultimately the thing that actually leads to these secure outcomes is generally somebody else in the organization addressing something that a security person found. And they can only address that if we can actually communicate to them in an effective way. And it sounds so silly, especially somebody from the South with an accent, et cetera. You're like, you can't hear it now because I'm talking to two, uh, you know, Northerners. But no, 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 but you know, you think about that, if you can't be effective in communication, it doesn't matter what you find because people can't hear what they need to hear when you're talking to them. So that's actually one thing. I still argue to say that, and, and this is my own bias coming out. So take this with a grain of salt because it's actually wrong. It literally is wrong going back to the other Jeet Kune Do. But for me, I get a lot of comfort in refining my software development knowledge and staying on track of new developments in technology and trying to actually see where, where technology is going to lead towards in the future and start leaning on some of the previous lessons that we've learned around like threat modeling, thinking about like various different adversaries, et cetera, and what that future could look like. So for example, we see the change of mobile devices now with 5G. When that comes on, we know there's actually gonna be a shift in how people utilize technology, but we still have some of those same security fundamentals that we just start thinking about how to apply to that problem. In order to apply those fundamentals though, to actually truly have that knowledge synthesis, we have to rely on that previous knowledge as well as actually study where the future of technology is going. So keeping abreast of modern technology, in particular for me, my bias is software. So figuring out what are things actually going on in the internet, what's going on with new programming languages, what are also new tools that I could potentially apply towards the future, that's still a fundamental to me. So, so maybe I'm saying like the fundamental is continuous learning. So yeah. that's actually one of the things. And probably that third fundamental is so tightly associated with those, and I know none of these things even sound like they're security related, but that's how fundamental they are. The third aspect of that to go with communication, to go with continuous learning is humility. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is so important for us in security. And it's definitely something I'm guilty of, but it's important for us to have humility because that is what allows us to hear what problems are and what people are trying to communicate to us recognize that we may not have the ideal solution in every situation and also be open to learning new things and you know pursuing that continuous learning journey. Flea, it was an absolute pleasure and honor to kick off the CISO Forum with you. For folks out there that want to stay up to date with you and all the things that you have going on, obviously you have so much knowledge to give. What are the best ways that people can do that? The best ways that people can do that, I am on Twitter, believe it or not. So my my Twitter handle is, I think, Frederick L, something like that. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. But also, like, I I try to stay on all the forums, et cetera. I'm pretty easy to find. You can actually just do a Google search for Gusto Chief Security Officer and learn more about me, learn more about Gusto, and and obviously, hopefully, learn more about you too, man. Like, I'm I'm honored to finally be on this (laughs) this podcast. This is like, I feel like I've made it now, man. Love that. And yeah, we I'm glad that we had this conversation myself. So I would recommend everyone to follow Flea, get to know him. I love the fact that we had a donut pretty recently, just got to chop it up and, and chat. So I'd highly recommend anyone to take that up, that opportunity. And also to check out all the things that you're supporting, Dev Color and all your other initiatives. Really great things going on and such a great pleasure, Flea. I know it's an honor to be here. Thanks so much, gentlemen. 
We'll see yeah, everybody thank you next guys. time. On behalf of uh, Security Week, thanks so much. You guys are all uh, genuine assets to the security community uh, for, for all the work that you're doing to get people involved and paybacks. We'd love to have you back. That 30 minutes flew by. So, guys, thanks again. And, uh, again, check it out, the uh, Hacker Valley uh, podcast. So, thanks, guys, and uh, stay safe out there. Thank you.